Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. gathered in hope, wherever you are this morning, grace to you, mercy and peace from God the Creator and Christ the King, for the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, as God has greeted you, so too pass the peace to those who are around you. And if you're alone, may you pass along encouragement and peace to someone else later today.
May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which we were called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way.
Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. May we be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For we were called to one body and one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father for all, who is over all and through all and in all.
pick up in the Gospel of Matthew, where we left off last week. This morning, it's Matthew chapter 25, reading verses 31 through 46. Listen, then, for the voice of God. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, for you are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me, and then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends, this is the last parable or picture in the Gospel of Matthew. The rest of the Gospel gallops towards crucifixion and resurrection. But in this most Jewish of Gospels, where Jesus is cast as the great rabbi, this is the last lesson. And there is a cinematic quality to the image that invites imagination. So uh, imagine with me. Grim gray clouds hang low over a rugged mountaintop. Thunder rumbles. Lightning splinters the sky. Angels hang on heaven's rafters. And from his lofty throne, the Son of Man scans the multitudes on a day of reckoning. All the nations are gathered together in order to be divided up. The sheep from the goats, the right from the left, the saved from the damned. It is a dark, foreboding picture. 
all who are herded before the judgment seat are put into one camp or the other, not on the basis of faith, not on the basis of birthright, baptism, or belief, and not on the basis of their relationship with Jesus, but on the basis of their response to the hungry, to the thirsty, to the outsider, to the sick and imprisoned. It is a dark, foreboding picture. And it's an odd place to end. For on this, the last Sunday of the liturgical calendar, Jesus is not raised up in light and love to the heavenly realms, but this final crescendo is a picture of judgment on the basis of hospitality, compassion, and prison visits. That gives one pause. We traverse a year with the good news of God, and this is where we end? The king is on his throne, the scales are being weighed, eternity hangs in the balance, and now it comes down to what we do? Seriously? There must be some mistake. This can't be the final exam. People should be sorted out by grace not by works. People should be sorted out by the character of God, not by the content of their actions. Surely it can't come down to what I do, because typically I'm a goat. Lord have mercy. So dear friends, what are we to make of this? Well, it strikes me that there are a few crucial turns. And the first has to do with eyesight. Both those on the right and those on the left are stumped by when they saw Jesus. Lord, when did we see you? Both parties are befuddled because neither knew they'd seen Jesus. So in part, the text turns on whom we see. Over a quarter million Americans have died of COVID-19. 2,000 people died yesterday. And the expectations for the next few weeks or months are staggering. Now, I've heard some of you argue that the numbers are inflated because of some scam where doctors and hospitals make more money if they label a death due to COVID. And I've read also that, a that for a variety of reasons, the actual number is probably tens of thousands higher. But either way, it's overwhelming and numbing. It's hard to comprehend, hard to know how to grieve or respond or process or make sense. It's hard to see beyond the numbers to the people. And it seems to me that part of the issue is that we don't see them. They're old, or they're black, or they're brown, or they're poor, or they have some other health issue. And they mostly die alone in hospitals and nursing homes without family by their side 
out of sight. In a recent interview, a nurse in Iowa, a young man, told of leaving a patient as life ebbed away, thinking he'd be back before the patient died, only to return too late. His face twitched and his voice cracked as he spoke of his regret, guilt, and sense of resolve to not let anyone die alone under his care. When loved ones can't be present, he saw his calling to be present as family. Neither the sheep nor the goats recognized Jesus. They all stood clueless before the throne of judgment. Lord, when did we see you? Maybe the blessed sheep cared for the hungry, the thirsty, and the imprisoned, not because they knew what they were looking for or who they were looking at, but because they simply saw the others as family. They saw the aged, the infirmed, the poor, the hung out to dry, not as the objects of mercy, not as mission projects, and not as anonymous numbers, but as family, as someone's loved one. I don't know if we're cast into the darkness because of who we fail to see and how we fail to respond. But I do know that this text calls and encourages us to see the image of God see Jesus Christ in others and in seeing, respond with love and compassion. This last lesson of Jesus links the coming of the kingdom to how we see and treat the vulnerable and the marginalized, not as a means to save our souls or enhance our relationship with Jesus, but simply because it all hangs on the love of God and the love of neighbor, as recorded earlier in Matthew. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The second turn, first turn is eyesight. The second turn is that Jesus aligns himself or disguises himself in the hungry and the hurting and those who are tossed aside. Jesus sides with the despised, the discarded, and the criminals, even those who are being executed. Now, to quote Bruce Springsteen, everybody's got a hungry heart. I don't know anybody that isn't thirsty or marginalized in some way. I don't know anybody that isn't bound in some manner of prison. 
And yet that's where Jesus casts his lot. Jesus finds his place with common humanity. Because with a bold-faced biblical confidence, Jesus sets an equation of equivalency. When you serve them, you serve me. Don't serve them, and you don't serve me. The expectation of this text is not the eradication of poverty, freedom for the prisoner, or a comprehensive plan to rid the world of disease. But the expectation is straightforward. Just as God visits us in Jesus, so too would we visit others. Barbara Brown Taylor gets at it this way. The food, the drink, the welcome, the visit, all those things will follow in their own good time. They're necessary for life. They're not optional. But by themselves, they're just quarters in a cup. Charity is no substitute for kinship. We're not called to be philanthropists or social workers, but brothers and sisters. We're called into relationship, even when that relationship is unlikely, momentary, or sad. We are called to look at each other and see Christ, who promises to be there when our eyes meet, and in that glance, to teach us something we need to know. So, dear friends, even in this pandemic, are there creative and compassionate ways that we can see, visit, and offer a warm coat? Are there people that we can visit in prison, even the prisons of their own making? And if there isn't, if you can't think of anyone can we ask Jesus to change our sight lines so that we can see others? For according to the Gospel of Matthew, if you want to find Jesus, look among those who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, I don't know the implications for judgment and eternal destiny, but the promise is that there you will see the king, and there you will find the kingdom. One last turn. When it comes to seeing Jesus, in the end, the sheep are as inept as the goats. As we noted before, they both ask, Lord, when did we see you? William Willimon puts it this way. Jesus' story is more than a moralistic urging to perform ethically correct behavior. It's a concluding symphony of ignorance. It's 
It's more than a moralistic urging to perform ethically correct behavior. It's a concluding symphony of ignorance. So I wonder if far too often we make of this text some secret key to the kingdom. We may struggle with how scripture is interpreted, but at least we love and serve God and neighbor. We may not believe all the right things, but at least we are turned toward doing the right things. And in the process, we make a similar standard as the doctrinal purists construct about belief. And either way, both are putting rigor before grace. Both are putting belief or behavior before mercy. But in the text, all that the sheep or goats have to offer is ineptitude, a symphony of ignorance. Maybe this last picture, before crucifixion and resurrection, is one more reminder that the glory of the gospel is that God takes our side. The mystery of the gospel is that Christ the King is one of the least of these, the inept, the infirmed, the ignorant, even the ones who sometimes fail to see family. Thanks be to God. Amen. prayer today is gathered around a poem by George Herbert that is appropriate, I think, for Christ the King Sunday. Choir members will recognize it as providing the lyrics for an anthem 
that we have sung over the years. So please pray with me. Let all the world in every corner sing, my God and King. The earth and its fullness are yours, O God. If we ascend to heaven, you are there. If we make our beds in the depths of the earth, you are there. You are the king of justice and of mercy. In your mercy, you recognize the needs of the marginalized in every corner of the world, the hungry and the thirsty, the naked and the sick, the friendless and the prisoner. And in your justice, you raise us up as your servants in this world when we make friends with the stranger and offer food to the hungry and visit the sick and the imprisoned and offer a cold cup of cold water to the thirsty. You raised up the widow for offering her single mite in the temple and condemned the narcissistic Pharisee for thanking God that he was not like this publican prostrate on the ground overcome with guilt. You raised up the woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years and criticized your disciples for shooing away the unwelcome children. You raised up Lazarus, a brother and a friend, and Jairus's 12-year-old daughter from the dead and condemned death, driving it into hell with your own death and resurrection. So we praise you. The heavens are not too high. Your praise may thither fly. The earth is not too low. Your praises there may grow. As to the king of kings, all nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Beside you, there is no king in Caesar. There is no king in Putin. There is no king in Erdogan or in Kim, Kim Jong-un. There is no king in Angela Merkel or in Boris Johnson. There is no king in Donald Trump or in Joe Biden or in Justin Trudeau. Presidents and kings and tyrants, all the rulers in the earth must submit to the king that is making everything new. There is no king in poverty or in malnutrition or in concentration camps. The coronavirus wears no crown to which we owe allegiance or fear or despair. We wear masks, we separate ourselves, we pray for a vaccine, we interrupt our community, but nothing can separate us from your kingdom, the kingdom of God. Let all the world in every corner sing, my God and King. Here at Hope, we wait on the edge of Advent, separated from each other physically, but drawn together toward your coming in history and in the fullness of time. While we wait, we support each other in joy and in sadness. In fear, we pray for Caspar Geistefer, your minister in the Central America that is suffering the deadly assault of two hurricanes, one after the other with hardly a break. Where can people go? Keep him safe while his wife tends to her mother here in the States. Their eyes are watching you. Life is so fragile, especially for the unborn twins, that Juanita is 
protecting to the point of undergoing surgery so that both of them might flourish equally. We love those twins already. They are theirs. They are yours. Walk with them, with Juanita and Dave and with Layla and the rest of the family. And Tom Chunas is undergoing another procedure at the Tucson VA Hospital. There is nowhere on this earth that we can go without your being there with us. Be with him also in a special way during this time. As you are with us, we praise you. The church with psalms must shout. No door can keep them out. But above all, the heart must bear the longest part. For all the world, in every corner sing, my God and King. Amen. into the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return no one evil for evil, help the suffering, honor all, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. <laughs>